0: Imagine building a more successful hypnosis business just in the next 10 days. To learn how, please visit WorkSmartHypnosis.com and take the 10-Day Hypnosis Business Challenge. Yours free today. Welcome to the WorkSmart Hypnosis Podcast with Jason Lynette, your professional resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success. Here's your host, Jason Lynette. Welcome back. This is Jason Lynette here at the Work Smart Hypnosis podcast. This is session number three. Session number three, an interview with Sean Michael Andrews. Many of you may know Sean as the world's fastest hypnotist. Of course, with superlatives like that, many would contest it, many would argue. However, Sean has the website world's fastest And in my world, that counts. So you'll hear that story in just a few moments. Sort of a background to this interview. Uh, I first met Sean, I believe it was 2007, 2008. Uh, At the time we both actually lived in Maryland, I discovered his training courses and went off and took a couple of classes with him and become a pretty good friend ever since then. So we've got a good level of familiarity already there. And I would share that he's a great person to learn from. He's someone who's, again, done a little bit of everything he's done classes he's seen a whole bunch of clients he's done workshops and seminars and like many of us didn't exactly get into this hypnosis profession directly came about it through a number of other life events that presented themselves and then from there jumping into this journey just with everything possible and as they say the rest is history so let's jump directly into that interview here it is sean michael andrews
1: been doing great, I just finished a show,
0: yeah, where at uh at a
1: uh, high school here in Heidelberg, so I had to do it with simultaneous translation, which was made it a little bit more challenging, but uh you know we got through, and the translation slowed me down, and some of the skits were going really well, so I milked them, so I only wound up going through half my gig i mean half my <laughs> skit list. But that's okay. The kids is the first time they saw hypnosis, and they liked it, so uh that
0: yeah, was fun. Have I told you the story before of, it was a magician that I knew that was doing uh, a magic show, Mm -hmm. and he was doing it in China with an interpreter, and he was really nervous about it until he realized that he only had to prepare half as much material. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And that even better, he had some lines in the show that were really just killer for the audiences he had worked with before, and suddenly he'd deliver the line, there'd be complete silence, and he'd be thinking that okay, they just don't get it here, maybe it's a cultural thing, right. but then maybe 10 seconds later, the audience would erupt with laughter. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Great. We're here today with Sean Michael Andrews, the world's fastest hypnotist. And Sean, where are you uh, Where are you calling in from today?
1: Jason, I'm calling from Heidelberg, Germany in Baden-Württemberg. Of
0: course you are. I yeah. Love it, love it. <laughs> And there may be some people on the call who aren't quite familiar with you and how it is you became known as the world's fastest hypnotist. So uh, just give us that uh, thumbnail version of who you are and where it is you come from.
1: Well, I was, uh, I was just a, a lowly government employee. Um, I worked for 20-some 20 years, 25 years uh, for the federal government. And, uh, and while I was working for them, I discovered Neurolinguistic Programming, NLP, because they sent me to a class. Uh, for new supervisors to teach us how to establish rapport with the new workforces that we would take over and uh, I followed NLP to Ericksonian hypnosis and followed that to the Dave Ellman style of hypnosis and I just became uh, fascinated with the field and so I took as many courses with as many people as I could find. I was fortunate to study with the best in the business um, gil boyne jerry Kine, um Richard Bandler. I'll stop dropping names now, but if they <laughs> if they were teaching and they were alive, <laughs> it's in their class so um uh, so anyway, I was offered an early out and uh back in two thousand two, and then I really got serious about hypnosis and um i I really. Uh, came to love the instant inductions. I thought they were they were so nice. They were so effective. And one day I was sitting in our uh, our condo, and I was I was the thought occurred to me. I wonder if anybody has because I was getting very good with instant inductions. I wonder if anybody has the website World's Fastest Hypnotist. And I went on GoDaddy, and I no one had it. And and I thought I've got to have this website. So, in my little mind, I'm thinking that all around the world, there are other hypnotists, at that moment, just discovering that that website was available. <laughs> so, my fingers trembling, I typed in the uh, the website and got it, and uh, and that was it. Now, as far as world's fastest hypnotist, well, many have claimed that Dave Ellman, back in 1912, was known as the world's fastest and uh, youngest hypnotist. And Gil claimed it, and Marshall uh, Silver, and several people, but they don't have a website. <laughs> so I'm, the, I'm the world's fastest against website, too.
0: <laughs> and I think that counts, although I'd be surprised if Dave Ellman was able to pull that off in, uh, when he was teaching.
1: Probably not in 19. 19- Probably not. That was really the infancy of the Internet.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd love to touch on this, too, that. The the concept of the instant and rapid inductions, there's some that are really. I, I think it's one of those categories that people are very polarized about. There's many that are 100% in favor, and there's some that would say I never possibly do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I share my perspective is that when we look at the structure of what's happening there's two concepts to be aware of. First of all, well, it just works so well. Mm -hmm. It gets them to these deeper levels that quickly. And on top of that, I I love the concept of it being um, sort of a metaphor for change as part of the process, that if they can change that mental state that rapidly in terms of just entering the process, we can model that experience for the client as well in terms of, it's that correlation that there's no real connection between how long they've had the issue and how quickly it's going to take to solve it. So if they can change that mental state that quickly, can't they also change that belief, that behavior that quickly as well?
1: Oh, I like
0: that. That's a very nice take on it. Yeah. What kind of advantages have you found to, to using those in your practice?
1: Well, uh, one of the biggest ones is uh, when you practice instant inductions and get very good at them, you feel bulletproof. You know when someone comes into your office, you know you're going to get them hypnotized. It may happen with a Dave Elman induction, which is slower and takes you know three or four minutes, or if for some reason that doesn't work you've got this instant induction that you can pull out of your back pocket and boom, they are in hypnosis. So you you feel so much more confident and then the clients see that in your eyes and they they know this person knows how to hypnotize. So, uh, So it makes you a more effective hypnotist. And the other thing is that when you're going out and giving talks to build your business, there is nothing in the world that will wow the crowd and make them... And and prove to them that you are a not just a good but a great hypnotist. Nothing will prove it to them like doing an instant induction and they see their friend drop into hypnosis instantly and it is amazing to them and because of that they know that you must be an outstanding hypnotherapist whether you are or not (laughs) because because it's something they've never seen before and it, it just proves your your talent, your ability to help people, so so it's outstanding for that. Uh, it is also outstanding for uh, for stage hypnosis, as you know, because it really it really does wow the crowd. It, it is amazing, and most stage hypnotists, as you know, do not do instant inductions.
0: No, that's one of those surprising things. But touching on that point about going out and giving demonstrations. You know, we, we're talking about something that isn't quite as tangible as so many other professions that are out there. It's a mental process. So to give that experience to that audience, whether it's you're going out and talking to a rotary group, a business group, or just getting out there and doing something demonstrational, to actually have that experience as a part of it is just so crucial. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Excellent. And you've been training these techniques now at this point all over the world.
1: Yeah. Um let's see uh, all throughout Europe and North America and uh, I've recently begun training in Asia I've been training in Australia for several years now so now I just have to get that South America and uh, Africa uh, I have to get that in there and uh, I'm not sure if I'm ever going to be able to do Antarctica that's a tough month <laughs> <laughs> it's worth a try it, it is but uh, but no yeah I, I train I train all over the world that's most of my business now, traveling and training other hypnotists.
0: Excellent, excellent. And there's an interesting point I've heard you share before about doing these instant style inductions even with people that English is not their native language?
1: Oh yeah, it's it's wonderful because all I need to know is one word and that was <laughs> the command form for sleep. And so here in Germany it is Schlaf now, if you get down south into Switzerland, it sounds a little bit more like Schlaf, and uh, of course Russian, it's Spat, and uh, yeah. So all I, I I know, sleep in many many languages.
0: <laughs> Let's actually touch on that though. That there's often this dispute, this conversation about well, hypnosis is not a state of sleep, so we're using that word sleep though in this command form. The description that I tend to favor is that. Perhaps the subconscious mind in the command form can understand that word as if, relax deeply as if asleep. And I've seen so many people, and I'm guilty of this too, of playing with it to try to find what's another word that might work just to completely eliminate that conversation. And yet the word sleep just still works better than anything else that I found.
1: I agree with you. Yeah, I've used other words. Uh, you know, you you could use a lot of different words if you if you do a quick prebrief before and say, I will say this word. You know, you could pick something like melt. That's kind of a good word especially for deepening. Uh, but you could say I will I will do this, I will pull your arm and I will say melt and at that point your eyes will close down, your head will drop forward. So uh, you could use any word, but if you want to do it without an explanation, uh, nothing
0: seems to work better than the command form of sleep. Absolutely, and typically your session structure—you're usually doing an element induction in your first session, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you go ahead? Do you? T- oh, sorry. Do you, do you tend to save those instant inductions for subsequent sessions, or what's your usual strategy there?
1: Yeah. Here's the funny thing. Um, Years ago, uh, my Dave Elman induction, I was pretty good with it. I could get about ninety three percent of my clients into hypnosis. And the seven percent that didn't go in, I would then seamlessly transition into a Dave Elm I mean into a, a hand drop induction, shock induction. And that would ge- that would get most of the other seven percent. But then uh I started getting better and better with a Dave Elman induction and now uh I don't do instant inductions except when I want to now because I'm almost 100% with the Dave Ellman induction. Um, so then often I will, I will um, before the end of the first session, if it's a multi-session uh, contract, I will tell them I'd like to condition you so that you can go into hypnosis even faster next time and so we'll have even more time for therapy. Does that sound good? And the answer is always yes." So then I will do a hand drop induction and uh, and of course, they go in because I don't even emerge them before I give it <laughs> before I do it. so um so yeah, so I'll, I'll condition them in, I'll do three four hand drop inductions, and then the next time they come in, you know, put your hand on my hand, and out we go. and uh, so yeah, so that works very nicely.
0: And with that conditioning, again, if there was any concern about that word sleep, with that conditioning in place you could really be using again any word
1: that's for true. that. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. It, it, Although I have been I I did the conditioning for several years and in recent years, just out of just the curiosity to play with it, I've pulled out the conditioning. Uh-huh. And in that second session, if that's the strategy I'm gonna make use of, I'll just simply give that suggestion of you may be surprised because we've already worked together, just how quickly and easily you can go into hypnosis. Here, this is kind of fun. Place your hand on mine.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and
0: just that expectation of, we've already done this before. We're able to do this a little bit more efficiently now. Check this out. It's just kind of that attitude around that. Mm-hmm. I, still, I still teach that conditioning, and for some clients some of the time, I still do that. Uh-huh. But I was just curious to see if we pulled that out, what would happen.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And sure enough, that's been working consistently for me as well.
1: Yeah, I, I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, you already know you have, a, you have somebody who's been hypnotized. So, and as we know, you know, a person who's been hypnotized before is going to be a lot easier to hypnotize than someone who is not.
0: Yes, yes. Do you have any filters for when you would make use of incident rapid inductions, let's say in the very first session?
1: Um, not really. Uh, I, with the first session, I almost always do the Dave Elman induction, almost always. Um, there's... Um, there's the expectation on the part of the client of the ritual of the hypnotic induction. And mm-hmm. and so on the first one, when we're just getting to know one another, I prefer to do it a little bit slower, three, four minutes. Uh, you know, unless unless someone comes in and says, hey, I saw you on YouTube, and I saw... <laughs> you in, well, you know, of course we're going to do an instant induction.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm trying to think back for myself. I think it's been and I say this in the polite format, when I've got that person who perhaps has been to so many other hypnotists for this one specific issue, mm. and yet they haven't yet achieved the results they desire, I could almost bet, I could almost guarantee at that point they haven't received that style of process.
1: Oh, probably not. <laughs>
0: and, and and that's when I'd almost... I'm thinking back now. It's probably a number of people I can count on, you know, two hands. It's a smaller number, mm-hmm. but for that specific scenario, that's a time that I've made use of that. Just because I knew going into it, chances are they've never experienced this. <laughs> Although I think I, I forget if I've told you this story. I think this is. Uh, I think this happened after you moved. Yeah. Guy. Guy comes into my office, and the situation is. I'll shorten the story. There's a major life event. There's a thing he just learned. And um, I put it this way. I was shocked he still made the drive about an hour into my office. Wow. And to which he goes, well, there's nothing I can do about it today. And I was figuring, he's coming in to quit smoking. I figure, you know, one less thing to worry about. Let's see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, it's his choice. It's his decision. I gave him the option. You know, one of two things. Either no, it's not the right time to do this run to your family, take care of... His wife was telling him that she was leaving him that day. Um, Calls were not being responded. Text messages were not being replied to. So here he is going, well, you know, nothing else is happening today, so I guess I'll go quit smoking. Um, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, you know, many would say that major life event is going on. Handle that first Don't even address the quitting smoking. But to his credit, he had given himself a bit of a hypnotic contract. Maybe this all would be easier with one less thing to worry about. And here we are in our very first session and thinking, oh, this will be interesting. And for him, you know what? I'll change the name. John, you know, you focus on all that frustration. Go ahead, take your hand. Press it onto mine. (laughs) Because I'm thinking, you know, even in the element induction, send that relaxation down across your body. Yeah, if he could do that, he wouldn't have been there that day. (laughs) So taking that stress, that angst, that frustration, that fear, Uh and telling him we can knock that out in just a few moments, and we'll spend some time on the quitting smoking and then put that into use. How does that sound for you? And he goes, that's exactly what I need. And, you know, with that kind of response, we've got it. Uh, so focus all that frustration press it into my hand sleep good just relaxing letting all that go so in that format (laughs) which I'm proud to say and a little sad to say I've never had to do that type of process ever again. Yeah.
1: Uh, I'm thinking that doesn't happen all the time. (laughs) No.
0: No. (laughs) Thankfully. Um, Usually they would call and say let's reschedule but no he drove an hour into the office. Uh, There's one other thing I wanted to touch on and I'd say this and perhaps a little bit more of a business building mindset here and maybe a little bit of a modifier just to explain. In public formats, whether it's conventions, whether it's some of the videos I've put out recently, I've actually made it a point to say that I tend to be a person who's not so focused and not so in favor of the strategy of the regular newsletter. That, And I say this specifically. There are many people out there that's just, hey, it's because it's Tuesday. I'm going to send you something because I always send you something on Tuesday. Right. However, I always tend to highlight yours as the prime example of if you are going to do a newsletter, this is what it should be doing. Um, You're specifically, because the videos, the information, it's not just sell, sell, sell. There's always valuable information, whether it's a video, whether it's a piece of news, a piece of history. Um, Share a little bit more about some of the strategies you put into putting out that regular content.
1: Well, um, I uh, I think the main, let's see, how do I want to put this? Um, my philosophy on the newsletter is that, and my business is that you just give, give, give. And then sometime down the road when someone wants a product or, or wants a class or wants something like that, then you'll probably be one of the first people that they think about. So so I don't, and I, of course, I don't like to sell. I hate to sell. <laughs> so, <laughs> so so it, it, it's, uh, it, it suits my personality that way as well, so I, I like to share information. And, uh, and like I say, that the, that's the two things, the two drivers. One, I just think it's a good philosophy to give, 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 and then if, when they think they want to buy something, then maybe you're the first person they think about. And the other is that I hate to sell; it's just it's just not something. Some people are very good at it. I'm not one of those people. <laughs> So uh, so yeah, I I love to do the newsletter. I like to do it on a regular basis because then people will look for it. And my gosh, we're up to we're up to four thousand people, forty one hundred people actually that get the newsletter now. And it's been going for hmm, I don't know, maybe six years or something.
0: Wow wow, do you tend to produce those one at a time? Do you batch produce them? What's kind of your strategy there? It depends.
1: Um, I'm getting better. Since I moved to Germany, I'm getting better at putting them out on a regular basis. Uh, sometimes I skip a week, but most of the time every Tuesday at 2 30, as a matter of fact, there's probably one in your inbox right now from half an hour ago. <laughs> so, so, so every Tuesday, and sometimes, um, sometimes I will, I will put a few together at a time and then schedule them, but most of the time it's fresh because things come up and, uh, maybe, maybe I get an interesting video or maybe uh, maybe something interesting happens in the news, or I discover something in my research. And so,
0: usually it's fresh, but sometimes I put together a couple at a time. Got it. And, of course, if people want to find out more about that newsletter, where should they go?
1: They should go to the website that we discussed in the beginning, which is com, and just sign up for the newsletter and... Uh, as as you say I just i don't spam it comes out once a week and and usually it's it's one specific um topic that i discuss and uh and often there's a video showing a particular type of induction or deepener or something like that so and as i say and i share things that i'm researching here in heidelberg
0: yeah speaking on that research i think this is something that was really interesting that this move to Germany, and correct me on this, a period of time where to do hypnosis in Germany, you have to be licensed, there's an exam, but the exam was only in German, correct?
1: That's correct, yeah. And yes. My German is getting better, but uh, <laughs> but uh, since I can't take a translator with me, I, <laughs> I cannot at the present time pass the Heilpraktiker uh, test, which is sort of an alternate healthcare provider test. So... It's a good opportunity since most of my business is traveling and teaching and selling products. Um, it was a good opportunity to uh, to do research because many of the things that I used to believe about hypnosis, I no longer believe, And, uh, you know, I've been told things and I've learned things from, from some very outstanding instructors. But some of the things I've begun to doubt and I wanted to test them out. So that's what I do. I... I uh, actually, I've got uh, two people lined up for tomorrow uh, to uh, to work on a project. so yeah, so that's that's good what are What
0: are some of those things
1: you've been researching? Well, <clears throat> right now, the people that have got it coming in for tomorrow is uh, are for um, a new process. I'm trying a different process for uh confidence. For people who, um who have issues with confidence and, and, and procrastination. So, I'll run about 30, 40 people through and I'll vary the, uh, the techniques that I use and then see which ones work better. Um, the first one I did was on temperature. I mean, I know you're a big fan of the, of the Dave Ellman material and one of the things Dave always said, or said in his book, Hypnotherapy and then also in his recordings, was that there were five unmistakable signs of hypnosis, uh four of them having to do with the eyes. Fluttering of the eyelids, increased lacrimation, reddening of the sclera or the whites of the eyes, and then the eyes rolling up in the head. And the fifth sign uh of hypnosis, according to Dave Elman, was body warmth. And I'm I looked at that and I, I knew that some schools teach that when you go into hypnosis your body gets cooler. And Elman seemed to indicate that when you went into hypnosis, your body got warmer. So with that, what I did was I, I got some um, temperature, skin temperature sensing devices and then also a thermometer that you can use on the forehead. It's, you use them for children. I don't know if you've had them for the kids, but they're, they're really handy for taking body temperature. So Now is
0: that, just to check in, is that the one that you rub across the forehead or is that just a exactly thing that lives there? You go from the middle of the
1: forehead towards yeah. the temple, yep, and it beats. Got it. You got it. So anyway, so then I also, uh, check the temperature of the room. So I would, I would measure the, the body temperature on the forehead, uh, the temperature of the room before and after the session. Then I would take temperature readings on the, uh, middle finger and on the wrist. And on the uh, the chest right below the clavicle, so just about like an inch, half an inch below the uh, collarbone, and then also on the inside of the ankle. And I would temp- uh, take a temperature reading before hypnosis and then after hypnosis and deepening. And um, what I found was that there's nothing consistent that happens with body temperature. Some people get warmer, some people get cooler, some people get warmer in parts of their bodies and cooler in other parts of their bodies, and some people have no temperature change at all. So, uh, then I reread Elman's book, and I think what he was really saying was there are four signs of hypnosis. There's a fifth sign that he used to use when he would shake hands with a, a candidate for hypnosis. And he said specifically, if the hand is warm and dry, there's a good chance that they are warm to the idea of going into hypnosis. If the hand is cold and clammy, then chances are they may not be interested or, or a good candidate for hypnosis. So you can read Elman's book a couple of different ways. But but now, the, the thing is that I've been teaching people that you're, you get body warmth out of hypnosis. I've been teaching that for years. And now, I don't believe that's true, at least not with the 40 people that I've tested. So... So I, I've learned something there. The other one that I've been working on in, at the same time as that is what makes people hypnotizable? Who's more hypnotizable? Who's less hypnotizable? And I'm getting some interesting data out of that. What kind of data? Well, um actually i'm I'm kind of disproving some things that uh, that I haven't seen, like for instance, we used to say, and I don't know where I got this from, that military people tend to be good subjects. And I haven't found that to be true with my uh, my subjects. Um, some of them are good and some of them are not so good. Um, the The rationale was that they know how to follow orders, and that kind of makes sense. But it doesn't mean that they're going to be much more hypnotizable. It just means... They'll follow your instructions a little bit better. So, so that one I found not to be true. But there's some other ones that I found really fascinating. Like, for instance, um, I've I've always got a kick out of this. I, I intuitively knew this, but but I, I seem to have proven it in the people that I run through. Have you ever heard somebody say, "I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual"? Have you ever heard yes. that? That's a yeah, cover yeah. term. That's a cover. Spiritual is a cover term for highly hypnotizable. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime somebody tells you they are spiritual, uh, they're going to be a great hypnotic subject. Um, let's see, people with an interest in New Age type stuff. If they, well,
0: I'd share, I'd share on that too. The the one that this has been my finding too, because uh-huh. I've had some interesting stories where it's not been my intention to disprove or challenge in any way. But whatever it is, that same part of the mind that someone would be so opposed to the idea of hypnosis, perhaps due to some type of religious belief, maybe is the same part of the mind that also makes them such a wonderful candidate for the process, too. (laughs) Well, there there was a time at a book festival I was next to a table, uh um, and I've got to think this was maybe intentional that they had me there selling hypnosis CDs, next to the table of a well-known newspaper of a faith that has had some comments about hypnosis. (laughs) And by the end of it, we were all best friends and chatting and talking. And it was just this wonderful experience, just the experience of talking with people and seeing them where they are and then seeing where things match up. Mm -hmm. So maybe it is that same part of the mind that deals with that is the same part of the mind that makes them such wonderful candidates for hypnosis, too.
1: It, it could well be. Um, religion, as you know, can cut both ways. Um, many of these smaller religions where uh, there are some smaller uh, sects where they pretty much take over the person's entire life and, and a lot of the people who go into these religions uh, are on the skids when they find religion and so they, they dive in completely and those people can be highly hypnotizable, but if the religion is very much opposed to hypnosis, they will not let you get near them with an induction. So so it can cut both ways. They can be wonderful, but they can be impossible because they, you know, as you know, the only way to really keep from going, going into hypnosis to, is to have a mindset that you're dead set against it. Um, let's see, what else? I... Ethnic groups, I mean, we knew sort of from esdale's experience that the the Bengalis down in the area of India where he was operating uh the Bengalis tended to be great hypnotic subjects, as do virtually all people in the Indian subcontinent they tend to be really good ethnically i don't know if it's if it's a, a, a uh, a genetic thing, or if it's a cultural thing, but uh, people in the uh, from the uh, Indian subcontinent are generally great subjects. Northern Europeans generally are not as easy to hypnotize, and that was Esdale's experience when he returned to the UK. Um, people who are massage therapists tend to be outstanding subjects. Uh, I think a couple of things may be going on there. One, um, they know how to relax. And because they, if you're a massage therapist, you also receive massages a lot, so they know how to relax. The other thing is that if you're a massage therapist, if you're working on people, on their muscles, it's it's mostly a, a tactile thing and you're really not engaging your brain too much. You you would tend to, um, it, it's not to say they're not intelligent, but you would tend to daydream. And so they Maybe that's it, but they tend to be really good. Um, Let's see, eyes, pupils. It's interesting because when I see someone with large pupils, I immediately think this person is going to go deep. And there are a couple of different reasons for this. One that I haven't quite proven yet is that it's a biological marker for hypnotizability. Not really certain about that, but from research that's been peer-reviewed about um, your body's physical re- reaction to something that you like, uh, your, your pupils will dilate. And if, if you're talking with someone and their pupils are dilated, it, it means either they, they like what you're telling them, maybe they really like you. But either way, if, if somebody likes what you're saying to them or they like you, they're also going to be a better hypnotic subject um, so so I, I I like I like seeing the pupils, but we we know that we know that uh, pupil dilation is always a good sign of liking and interest in that sort of thing.
0: Um, Let me ask you this: Have you found though as much as we can do research on specific Professions, specific cultures, ethnicities, does it still also just still come down to rapport and even willingness to change?
1: Well, it certainly does. But as far as hypnotizability, though, um, mm-hmm. if you establish rapport with a Norwegian and you establish rapport <laughs> with
0: a, see where you're going.
1: a yeah. Singaporean, <laughs> the we go a lot deeper, probably on average, than 100%. that Norwegian will go.
0: And perhaps doesn't it mean it in any format to not work with one and work with the other, just things perhaps to be aware of as you go into the process? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, and and
1: I mean, you should always have the mindset of um, you can hypnotize anyone, and that person sitting there is going to be a good subject for you. That's a great mindset to have. And, of course, we can get that mindset by going out and doing demonstrational hypnosis and, and just by... Um, just uh, developing our craft. You asked me at one point, um, what would be good things for a a new hypnotist to know? And I think the biggest thing is get out and hypnotize people. You've got to to hypnotize hundreds of people. And, And the only thing better than hypnotizing hundreds of people is hypnotizing thousands of people. And and then that's how you get good. Because hypnosis is an interesting thing. You can take a really good course, but if you lay off hypnotizing people for a couple of weeks, the next person you hypnotize is going to scare you because you more than anything else I've ever done in my life, I've seen this happen with hypnosis, that if you don't get the practice in, you can get scared and lose confidence in your ability to do it. So... A new hypnotist should do everything that they can to um, to hypnotize lots of people. Join a meetup. I know you run a meetup. I run a meetup. It's a great place to get together with people and practice and do lots of inductions. And because your 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 beginning hypnotists are not going to have a huge client load, so they're not going to have you know. Ten people coming in their office every day that they can, you know, get good at doing inductions. So you got to find a way to hypnotize a lot of people, and and something like a meetup or a practice group or something is ideal.
0: Yeah, it's that getting out there and just making that making that work happen. Especially if you're in an area that doesn't have a meetup already there. I tend to say get out and be the pioneer, be the one That's to make that happen first cool. and start one. Yeah. Yeah, we're in an area that I'm sure at one point uh, had no meetups, um, then had one or two good ones, and now I can pull up even meetup.com as well as other services similar to that and find uh, at least a dozen yeah. in this Washington, D.C. area here. Excellent. The one that you've got out there in Germany, is that uh, was that the first one in that area, or was that already existent?
1: Yeah, that was the first one in the area. Nice. Uh, meet, meetup was not uh, particularly popular in Germany. It's funny. It's like Craigslist. Um Germans don't use Craigslist very much. They use a couple of other things. So, and they didn't use Meetup very much. But now, I mean, I started this one about a, a year and a half ago, and now I know there are at least there are at least three in my area. <laughs> so, uh, so yes, yeah, it's, it's catching on, and 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 of course, it's great fun, isn't
0: it? <laughs> yeah, they're great, especially you know to. So pick a month and have just a practice session on one specific thing. We just scheduled one here just for two hours next month to get together and just practice deepening techniques to have someone in the local community who perhaps does something a little unique and invite her to get up and speak about that. So mm-hmm. just anything that we can do to just spread that awareness and build that practice and build that confidence with a new hypnotist as well.
1: Yes, yeah, that's great. Yeah.
0: Well, Sean, thanks so much for your time. I'm sure we'll have you back Pretty soon. Uh, for those of you, again, listening at home, world's Visit that site. Check out some of the information. Get on that newsletter. Actually, I just had to peek. Uh, I've got to ask you this. I just hmm? I didn't know about this. The book, the book just came out yesterday. Yeah, tell us about that real quick. Okay, well, it's it's
1: all about how to pick the easiest people to hypnotize and how to make sure that they're going to go in. It's it's called Who Me <laughs> and it's it's how to choose the best volunteers. So whether you're giving a lecture at at a convention or whether you're you're building your business or you just want to do a demonstration, look at the people. Who would be good? Who do you know you're going to get hypnotized? And and so it's and And I even show ways to cheat, and I show i I, I don't keep secrets, and so uh, so there are all my tricks are in there, so but don't buy the book because it just came out yesterday, and it, I mean it's a Kindle book, and it's only 299 but but in a few days I'm going to put it out uh, for free for a little while. so wait till it goes out for free and then go get it.
0: <laughs> Good advice. Mm. All right, well, thanks again so much. We'll see you soon. Take care, Jason. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the WorkSmart Hypnosis podcast at WorkSmartHypnosis.com. Please visit the WorkSmart Hypnosis podcast listing on iTunes and share your positive feedback.